Hey, welcome to the Soma Podcast. My name is Rob, and my dude here is Zach. What's up? How you doing, Zach? I'm doing good. How are you? Zach, what are we about here? We are just two dudes who are interested in uh, the diversity of thought that's out there uh, across the board in theology and culture. I agree with you. That's good. Yeah. Wow. I think I was expecting a civil war on the first day. I don't think so, man. So, like, we're not going to get into it on this podcast. Like, are you a Calvinist or are you Arminian? Not at all. Not at all? That's not our place. That's not our place. Whose place is that? God's. And we've got him on speed dial, right? Correct. <laughs> but, yeah, so so what what is, a, what is the goal of this podcast? What are we going to be doing? The goal of this podcast is to think about all things theological diversity uh that happens to be our topic today mm-hmm. but in general our goal is to you know discuss different theologies different things about culture and um just discuss them man yeah but so we're not looking to give anybody the right answers right we're just kind of creating a space for conversations to happen yes a space for dialogue because a lot of times you can't even have that conversation because there are a lot of dogmatic people out there. Yeah, that's like the biggest thing uh, I've run into in my studies for my undergrad. Um, you know, I went to the same school that you went to, and there's just so many dogmatic people who are just like, I have the answers, thus saith the Lord, and then that's it. That's as far as you'll get in conversation. Yeah, dogma is a painful thing in my opinion. The only thing, in my opinion, that dogma is okay with are the primary issues. Which primary issues is that? Like, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Okay. You argue that, you're a heretic. Okay. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, three persons, one essence. Okay. You can be dogmatic about that kind of stuff. Okay. So, So there's, like, in your belief system, in your structure, the way that you hammer it out, there's, like core issues and then there's like other stuff kind of filling in the background secondary issues secondary is what I like to issues. call them okay specifically primary issues are what the church should be founded on okay secondary and issues we can agree to disagree people should not split uh churches should not split up because of secondary issues they should work through them together okay and so like primary issues are like who is jesus who is god um you know, resurrection, things like that. Absolutely. Uh, things that if we change the meaning of them, they change everything about Christianity. Correct. But other things like ordination of women or uh, speaking in tongues. There's so much out there. But when you're so dogmatic in your views, mm-hmm. especially with the secondary issues, a lot of people I know don't even welcome theological diversity and i think that's a danger totally totally i I mean i've run into so many people uh who just they they cannot grapple with the fact that there are people who believe in what's called young earth creationism which is the world was formed in a literal seven days or there's people who are ascribing to an old earth creationism where it's like yeah maybe it was formed in seven days but it's actually like really really old it's more than six thousand years old and then there are people who believe that like evolution is a bi- viable option. And I've met so many people that are just like, nope, seven days, 6,000 years ago. That's it. Period. End of story. You disagree. You're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. You're 
maybe a heretic. Maybe you're not a Christian if you disagree on these issues. You know, when I was at a particular seminary, I found out that they were egalitarian. Okay. What does that mean? That means that women are encouraged to be in ministry roles that could provide tension in some churches. Okay. I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what? You can believe something like that? <laughs> That's, That's impossible. <laughs> it's only hard complementarian. That's a primary issue. Okay. And so, but then I feel like the Holy Spirit was like, chill out. Mm-hmm. Listen. Listen to my voice. And so as I sat through that class, my mind began to open up. Not to not that I just you know, night and day changed my perspective, but to hear out the other side mm-hmm. in love. People who are dogmatic and will absolutely refuse. They'll go straight to arguing. Mm. That's my issue. Yeah, there's there's like this attitude of like, I've already got the answers. I'm certain of it. And so they are coming to the table to convince you and not to listen to you. Correct. Complementarian or bust. Yeah. So that was that was Rob pre-seminary. Yeah. I received all of the teaching that I got in undergrad and embraced it as if it's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Yeah, so you were just drinking the Kool-Aid. Drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> hot Kool-Aid. Hot, hot Kool-Aid. That sounds disgusting. That is a reference of Smith. Smith. The guy. (laughs) (laughs) Agent Smith? The Matrix? What are you talking about? The guy on YouTube, Judah Smith or something. Oh, Judah Smith. Okay. Yeah, he wears tight pants and hipster glasses. I've seen him. Yeah. That's probably (laughs) not the guy, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Seriously, look it up. YouTube.com, and there's a little search bar on top where you can click. And just type in the word Smith, and it'll come up. (laughs) (laughs) Hot Kool-Aid. Hot Kool-Aid. Okay. It's kind of funny. Okay. People our age think it's funny. People younger than us don't even understand. That's not true. But anyways, yeah, (laughs) theological diversity is something that I've developed a passion for. Um, coming out of a dogmatic perspective on many things theology. I think theological diversity has become, like I said, a passion to the point that I like exploring all um, trains of thought and actually hearing people out. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's like key is, uh, you know, a friend of mine taught me this when I was uh, getting ready to ask my now wife, to be my wife uh so this was before we got engaged and i asked him uh you know any advice on being married any advice on uh how i should do this how i should go about it and he said the only piece of advice that i can offer you is what i learned in premarital counseling and that is this seek first to understand and then to be understood and Mm. that's something that i've brought into my marriage as something that i've brought into like as many conversations as I can anything that looks like it's going to turn into an argument I try to make my primary goal to understand their position first before I explain mine yeah and it's really easy to be like no you're wrong check this out or it's like why should I hear you out if you don't even hear me out yeah or others yeah I mean like what, what kind of discourse is that if you're so uninterested in what the other person has to say like you're not looking to have a dialogue you're just looking to monologue and barf your opinions out in front of people yeah yeah and i think also 
uh, the church I was at previous, um, when it came to primary issues and secondary issues, a lot of people wanted to be heard, mm. kind of like you're saying. And what happened was our pastor would get us together for a town hall meeting, and he'd pretty much say, a lot of people have been asking me, for example, what is our church's perspective on women in ministry? Mm-hmm. Okay? And so we had perspectives all over the spectrum. We had pretty hard complementarians. We had soft complementarians. We had hard egalitarians, which pretty much means that only men are to be in ministry for complementarianism, or you know, women are allowed to be in roles, high, higher ministry roles as men are, um, which is egalitarian. Mm-hmm. And we just had this battle as a church. Mm. We just, people share their opinions and what they thought on these issues. And then my pastor said, because these are not primary issues, and you guys are asking, what does our church believe on this topic? Mm-hmm. And he pretty much answered this way. He goes, there you have it. Mm. Dot, dot, dot. Mic drop. Hashtag mic drop. <laughs> so it's, it's just like, say what you came here to because say. Because who are the people it. talking? The church. Yeah. And people are asking, what does our church believe regarding women in ministry? Wow. And our church dialogued about it. And it's just like, oh. And he goes, this is what our church believes. Yeah. So, like, not everything needs a formulaic statement and a doctrine of belief. And, like, I've been to so many church websites. I'm currently redesigning our church website, the, the church that you and I work at. And um, one of the things that in the staff meeting when we were going over, like, what are we going to put up for our statement of belief? We were just like, you know, th- this thing has already been hammered out in like the form of the creeds and all of these other things. And it feels like every single church out there is just like, you know, kind of trying to reinvent the wheel and like say the Mm -hmm. same things, but in a way that's like, we don't want to be offending people. We want to make sure that they think that we're a theologically sound church and that, you know, we have good doctrine and all of these like very heavy loaded terms. But every church is just trying to like put everything out there and like have an established statement of faith. And maybe the actual church's statement of faith is colorful. Maybe it's diverse. Maybe some of the church believes this and some of the church believes this. And that's okay because these are just secondary issues. But Zach, I thought church was a building. (laughs) Church is a building. And it has bells and stained glass windows and brunch i don't know what what are there other churchy things there are church brunches yeah church brunches there you go those exist <laughs> you did not make that up. <laughs> i didn't make it up if i did i would say let's actually make it a real thing because that sounds amazing what if like we canceled church just like one week like every three months and everyone just came in and had like pancakes with syrup and like orange juice and bread and wine and br- no no bread and wine that's a dinner meal the supper yeah supper i'm talking about brunch right but yeah. we're, <laughs> we're together <laughs> we might as well take the supper right well, yeah, the bible says maybe maybe if jesus had conducted that meal at around 10:30 a.m. he would have been like this is my pancakes my body is broken for you. All right, let's not get into heresy. <laughs> this <Let's> back up <laughs> church <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> but for real? Yeah. When we meet together, we should take the body and blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, is that is that a dogmatic thing? Like, you are the go-to guy on 
the supper you know you've written pages upon pages and books you have an entire encyclopedia being released next month (laughs) of all of the years and years and decades of study that you've devoted to this single issue uh in your opinion is it a secondary issue on what we use for the lord's supper what do you mean what so wine versus juice would be an easy one but what if we don't even have juice and bread what if it's literally we have pancakes and orange juice I think it should be bread or wine, but I bread and wine. But mm-hmm. I also think that churches are sensitive mm-hmm. to the attendees, mm-hmm. and some have convictions about that. Sure. But then, on the other hand, does that matter? Does it? But so, like, do you think that it's possible for people to experience like communion in like a sacrament? with things other than bread and wine slash grape juice. On what level, though? Because if we're practicing the spiritual discipline or the sacrament of partaking of the Lord's Supper as a congregation, it was mandated by Christ. Mm -hmm. He broke bread Mm -hmm. and he passed a cup of wine Mm -hmm. and he constantly refers to wine as being his blood throughout the New Testament. And so if we're speaking specifically about communion as in the sacrament, the Lord's Supper, Mm -hmm. then I think that it needs to remain bread and Mm -hmm. wine. Now the juice part of it is more a representation. Um, The same idea, right? Because wine is made out of grapes. Sure. Crushed and they ferment. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the idea works with me, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I, as funny as it is, Jesus does not talk about breakfast food or any of that kind of stuff when we come to communion, because in communion, there's a sharing of exchange and exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. And this intimacy is Christ that we're pursuing. Mm-hmm. Thus, I believe that we ought to pursue Christ the way he wants us to pursue him. Okay. But so do you think that this is like a primary issue or a secondary issue? The sacraments are a primary issue. But so what, what if like, you know, we're on, we're out in the missions field and we forgot the bread and wine and we want to have communion. And so we only have the resources at our disposal. And so we've got like a cistern of water over here and then we've got some blueberries over here. I don't know where blueberries are native in the missions field, but let's say we just have the tools at our disposal. Is it communion or is it something else? Then we do what Jesus did in John chapter 2 at the wedding. Ah, we make it into wine. Water into wine. Problem solved. Next question. <laughs> No, I think in that moment, as long as our hearts are in the right place Mm -hmm. and we as people who are called into leadership, into pastoral leadership, Mm -hmm. um, as people who represent Christ and the Bible, as we try to make that clear to people, I think as long as we portray, you know, the proper theology of what we're saying, Mm -hmm. um, what the real meaning is, Mm -hmm. Jesus will make a miracle happen and turn that water into wine. You know, in Catholicism, when you take the Lord's Supper... Jesus is 
actual body mm-hmm. and blood appear. Yeah, it, it turns into Jesus. Yes. Tran substan. Can you follow? Yes, tran substan. Seation. Seation. Yeah. That's good etymology. It's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> Transubstantiation for those of you listening who can listen to words at their full speed. Uh, <laughs> that is the sacrament in the Catholic Church where uh, at communion, the is it the priest's role? Yes. He is able to consecrate. Consecrate. Man, lots of religious lingo right now. He is able to kind of call the actual physical presence of Jesus into the meal, which is pretty cool if you're into that kind of thing. I wish, but that's <laughs> not what, you know, Jesus didn't really turn into the elements when he served them. What That would be freaky. What would Peter have done if Jesus was just like, this is my body, and then he became a loaf of bread? Like exactly. his, his hand just morphed into bread. <laughs> You've been scratching the surface of heresy today. <laughs> but to consecrate essentially means to declare, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this is something that happens in the Catholic Church. It's to declare sacred, mm-hmm. which is beautiful language, I think. Um, but what happens is they really believe that the, the, the divine mm-hmm. becomes the body and blood. Mm-hmm. So when he drinks the wine, it's actually blood. Mm. The blood of Jesus. I think that's pushing it. I also think it's pushing it if it's a mere remembrance. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're just sitting there and pondering thought and that this bread and juice that we partake of is just bread and juice. Mm-hmm. And we just sit there and think about Jesus as if it was a memorial. Mm-hmm. Memorial Day comes around once a year, right? Yeah. And at Memorial Day, we remember, correct? What yeah. happened in the past. Totally. But the thing that's important to know is that you can't merely remember and then partake. I believe that Jesus is currently present in the space in those moments. And it's not only a remembrance of what he did on the cross, but it's a participation with him of what he did on the cross. So instead of remembering, we partake with him and of him. Mm. But that's a conversation for later on our Lord's sure. Supper. What you're, what you're kind of saying, although... In this subject, you have a pretty firm stance, relatively dogmatic position. There still is wiggle room for what we use as elements. That's not a free license to just be like, hey, I want pancakes, so Jesus' body is going to be pancakes today. I would say dogmatic as in is in the sense of I truly believe that Christ has ordained us to partake of the body and blood. Mm-hmm. And because, by the way, what's our what's our podcast called? Our po- <laughs> These people have been listening to us for about 20 minutes and they're like, I don't even know what this is called. Our podcast is called Soma, which means body. So back to what I was saying. <laughs> Jesus mandated that we partake of his body and blood. Mm -hmm. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Oh, you want to stop me there and say, well, didn't Jesus tell us to remember? Like we just talked about, about Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. I won't get into that now, but I do have a fascinating conversation about that in the future. But the Lord's Supper, otherwise known as the Eucharist or baptism, these are sacraments. These are things that Jesus himself told us to do. And so... Dogmatically, 
if you want to put it that way, I would say, yes, we are to partake of those things. We are to participate in those things and to perform them as unto the Lord, mm -hmm. imitating him and what he ordained himself. But the varying perspectives on it, mm. um, I would say I am not dogmatic on it. I have been very open to it, and that's why I have come to certain conclusions. But a lot of my arguments are beyond what the structure of it is and more on how often do you do. Mm. So like sacraments, you said the Eucharist or a.k.a. Lord's Supper. Baptism, there are some different views on baptism. Is there flexibility on these? Like babies versus not babies have to be adults? Is it believer's baptism or is there like a form of salvation present as far as f a form of salvation present um that just depends um when it comes to the lord's supper i believe there's a form of salvation present hmm. it doesn't i don't think it saves it doesn't necessarily save you if you partake of it mm -hmm. but i think we need to be saved every day mm. whether you're a christian or not um you need to be saved every day because we sin every day and Yes, it's not a transaction. It's not Jesus did it mm -hmm. and it's done and it's over with. It's a, it's a process of sanctification that occurs. And so I think the gospel in all its forms, and by that I mean through worship, through teaching, through partaking of the sacraments, through partaking of the Lord's Supper, the gospel needs to be fleshed out, no pun intended, uh. every single day for the Christian or the non-Christian because the non-Christian doesn't know God, does not know eternity with Christ or salvation apart from it. Mm -hmm. And the Christian, they know of the gospel. They know the gospel. But do they know that they need it every day? Right? We yeah. repent. We turn away from our sin. And so I think there's a constant purification in the gospel. And so when we partake of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ... We are being saved because it's a symbol of what? The blood shed on the cross mm -hmm. and the broken body yeah. to bring salvation to us. I'm not saying it saves, but I think it's an element of salvation for that day. Sure. So then these, these issues of the sacraments, these are primary issues. But within the specifics of the interpretation of like how we practically go about expressing them there might be a little bit of wiggle room i would say yes as long as we're being as close as we can to what the scripture mandates totally i mean we're not on the soma podcast trying to get people to just be like hey come up with your own theology and then bring it to us i would love to hear it no 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 we're talking about people who are using the Bible faithfully, who are serving Christ faithfully, who have just come to different conclusions with the same text that we wrestle with every day. Correct. And some of those examples are the supper and how often you do it, mm -hmm. whether it's wine or juice. And or Jesus. Or Jesus. Yeah. Or when it comes to baptism, if it's baby baptism, mm -hmm. um, pedo baptism, where you sprinkle babies, mm -hmm. or is it pseudo baptism with immersion? Yeah. So there are varying views. None of those are necessarily heretical because the participation 
is occurring, which mm. was mandated by scripture. Mm. And so the quote unquote dogma of it is the fact that you have to do these things. Mm-hmm. The non dogma is how you do them. Mm. I like that. This is what we're about here at Soma. I'm really excited for this podcast. Me too. This is just a little glimpse, a little introduction, and we did get carried away at times. Totally. <laughs> because of passion. Passion. It exists within us. <laughs> but I'm really excited. I'm I'm stoked for this. I especially am excited about we've got some big plans. We joked about NT Wright coming on the podcast. There's nothing in the works with that. But we do have some really great ideas of some guest people that we would love to have on the show that we'd love to just dialogue with so that it's not just two dummies with like dummy degrees talking we want to get some actual scholars on the show so that is something that uh all of our listeners can be looking forward to in the future as well as me personally because i'm gonna fangirl like crazy when we talk to some of these people all right well thank you all for listening this has been the soma podcast if you are interested at all in the things that we do the different things we have going on you can go ahead and follow us on twitter at soma podcast Or you could go to our website because everything that we do on this podcast and other podcasts is in participation with Stained Glass Collective. So you can go to stainedglasscollective.com. You can read some blogs. You can listen to some podcasts. You can high-five your computer screen. Do whatever you want to do. Just go to our website. Give us a look and make sure you're following us on Twitter. Twitter.